Whoa. That was neat. It's so fancy now. It's been it is. like, what, seven months? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's been a while, so. I don't know if it's really seven. That's just a number I threw up. I think November. Hmm. So like seven. Ding 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 bugs and stuff. Well, we're back. Yep, we are back. We took a long hiatus for um Carrie's PhD. Not her whole PhD, just like part of it. Wow, that would be crazy to get a PhD done in that little time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so because Carrie finished up her prelims for her PhD, we wanted to talk about it and maybe get back on the podcasting bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what prelims are, um, it's also called like preliminary exams, um, comprehensive exams, um, there's another one. <laughs> can't, can't think of what it's called now. I don't know. Um, but basically, there are these big fancy exams that happen like halfway through your PhD. Um, and it kind of determines whether or not you are fit to continue <laughs> in the program. <laughs> I've been describing it, like, to my family as, like, eligibility for my PhD. Yeah, it's kind of like a big test that you take to see if you can continue. Yeah, and it's different at different universities. Um, Like, my advisor, hers was just oral. Like, you, you walk into a room, you read all these papers, and you sit in front of your committee, and they can ask you whatever they want. And you just spout out everything to them. Um, Or some of them you have like one day to do some kind of written essay exam. Um, Mine was both a written and an oral section of the prelims. So I had a week where every day I got questions from a different committee member And I had about the whole day to answer those questions in um, the best of my ability, luckily, with open resources. (laughs) So I could cite things and use extra help and get more papers if I needed them. Um, And then about a week after that, we had my oral session, which was just like a two hour long thing where because it's still the pandemic we were in a zoom room (laughs) and uh we just basically talked about the points that my committee thought i missed on my writtens um and they asked further questions about my answers and then i had to on the spot tell them everything i knew did you feel like it was difficult (laughs) yes (laughs) You, I had, like, totally didn't understand when I was talking to you about it, like, how long the written portion was. Um, I didn't get that it was, like, almost an entire week of writing. Um, yeah, I thought it, it was. was, like, you had to smash all, the, like, all, like, six or 12 questions into, like, one day. 
Oh no, but that would have been terrible. I know. I was like, I was like, okay, so she gets like two questions per professor, twenty four hours. That's like she has to write all after, like all night. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Um, but it, it's really dependent on who your committee member is. Um, I had one committee member that gave me six questions, asked me to answer four of the six with the two remaining that I don't answer meant for my oral exams. Um, and to answer those four that I chose, I had 24 hours. But I had other professors that gave me uh, three questions and they only gave me nine o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon. So it really depended who was asking. Um, but I had four out of the five days of week of questions, um, mostly because in the middle of the week I had to teach. So I really couldn't, (laughs) uh, I couldn't afford a four hour block in the middle of the day to not be writing my answers. So I just took that day off, (laughs) which worked out because I only had four committee members. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. Um, did you have a favorite question? Oh, um, yes, I did. Actually, I really liked, um, you know, friend of the show, Shannon Polini. Mm-hmm. Surprise. <laughs> I was on my committee. Um, <laughs> but she, Shannon knows me very well. And you could tell by the answer, the question she gave me that she knew me very well. And one of the questions was asking about how I will be as like a future leader. Mm-hmm. She gave me scenarios um, that I currently fit. And she asked me to advise somebody else under my tutelage in that situation. Like one of them um, was asking me to give advice to a perfectionist. <laughs> And, like, how I would make them feel better about, you know, not being perfect. So, I really enjoyed answering that question. And I think it was probably one of, uh, simultaneously, the easiest and the hardest questions to answer. Um, Because I knew what I would have liked to be said to me. But I also kind of had to explore, because not everybody is the same as me, even if they are a perfectionist, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. What what did you say in the oh, short, you short know. version? <laughs> not the not the page or the four page or however long it was. They were definitely long. Um it, I had basically said that I would like empathize with the person and share my experiences with them um in hopes that they would find comfort in knowing they're not alone um, in that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Um, This is becoming very much like an interview. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Um, What? Oh, now I lost what I was going to ask. Oh, no. I'm not a good interviewer. (laughs) Did you, how did you prepare? That was the question I was going to ask. Because you said you felt like pretty prepared. Yeah, I really... How how did you prepare for it? I really did. Um, It's it's still, like, a really weird experience. And I know it was only, like, a week ago, but it feels, like, so long ago. And it doesn't feel like it already happened, almost. 
I don't know. Um, but I had a meeting with my committee members when I had decided I wanted to schedule my exams. Um, about four months before, I think we met, I think in December. Um, and then my exams were at the end of March, beginning of April. I think that's four months, three months. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, and I had asked them for resources, essentially. I, I asked what kind of topics do they think I need to know? Um, yeah, and it's kind of like where it went from there a lot. Leading up to that, you know, like at the start of my second year, I had gotten into the habit of reading a paper or two a day because I knew I would really have to uh, accelerate that <laughs> when preparing for the prelims because I would be reading probably four different things, like four different topics from four different people a day. Um I don't think it ever got that bad, though. I was really good at <laughs> my organization. Um, but I had them send me resources, whether it be like book titles or paper titles or authors they wanted me to look up um, or just general topics. And I went from there and I made sure to carefully, if they weren't specific in what they wanted to me to read, like I had one professor that sent me three book chapters and was like, read this. Mm -hmm. I had another one that sent me, I don't know, 16 papers and was like, read these. But then I had other ones that said, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's really cool. You should look up their stuff. And I was very careful to pick papers that were not only about the topic they wanted me to look into, but also the topics that I'm interested in and that I thought could connect most with my dissertation work. Mm -hmm. So I was very um, mindful for how I was spending my time and what I was reading. And um, I ended up, oh, I ended up reading like 113 papers and like 113 papers and five books. No, six books. Um, I didn't read all the books cover to cover, but mm -hmm. um, I think like three out of the five I did. Yeah. Wow. So it was just really like a lot of reading and I had, it, it's, I'm in a lab by myself. You know, I, I don't have any lab mates right now. And so it's kind of difficult to prepare for these big things because I don't have examples to draw on. And it was even more difficult because my advisor hasn't had a PhD student in a long time. So she didn't know the exact rules of the mm -hmm. situation. So it was hard for me to get an understanding of what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, I knew a few people who had gone through it, and they were nice enough to share their um, questions with me that they got asked mm -hmm. in their writings. Um, so I had those to look at. And I had like every intention to go through and try to answer those questions too and try to write questions for myself that I thought the committee members would ask me and then answer them. Um, I didn't end up doing that. Mm -hmm. I really just read papers and I took a lot of notes on my papers that I read. And I had, um, a, well, I have a really extensive Excel sheet 
that t- keeps track of the papers I've read when I read them, where you can find them on my computer, um, what the abstract, I just copied pasted that in there, uh, the location, a one sentence summary, the methods, the results, important ideas, and then just like general notes. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was really easy to search it later mm-hmm. when I was looking for something specific for my writtens and I didn't want to sift through all the papers. I just searched harmful algal bloom and all of those papers showed up. Mm-hmm. So it was good thinking. <laughs> yeah, you, you now have like a really awesome database that you can yeah. use when you're like writing your dissertation too. Yeah, for sure. Or, like, yeah. for the rest of your life if you continue <laughs> to do research and things. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a better way to organize <laughs> that stuff. Like, Audrey had, when I, I had a meeting with her to talk about her experience and her prelims, which helped me. Um, and she showed me a way to organize things in, in OneNote, which mm-hmm. is a Microsoft application. Um, I couldn't get mine to work the way hers did. That's why I just stuck with Excel. But, well, technically Google Sheets because I was afraid of my computer losing all my stuff. <laughs> and Google Sheets is forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so really to prepare, I just read a bunch of stuff and took a bunch of notes. Yeah, it but sounds- you, felt, you felt super good about it. So that's, yeah. it worked for you. Yeah, for sure. It 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 sounds like silly and like thinking back on it, I still almost feel like I didn't do enough, even though I obviously did because I passed. But it it was like really something that weighed heavily on me for the longest time, even when we finished our masters and I was like, should I get a PhD? You know, these these exams were something that made me not want to do it. It was part of the reason that I didn't do the PhD right after my master's. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two years in between my degrees were really vital for my confidence mm-hmm. <laughs> in myself. Um, and I don't think... I would have felt as good about these exams if I didn't take that time off. That's really interesting. Yeah, I do remember now looking back like you being really afraid of prelims. Yeah. You were always like, oh, I'm going to apply for a PhD, but I don't know if I can do a prelim. I, yeah. I can't pass the prelim. So like... I- I'm sure it, I'm sure if we went back and listened to the episode where we talked about what we're doing after our masters, mm-hmm. I will say in there <laughs> those exact words. I was very very afraid of them. It made me really anxious. And it's funny because I don't remember when I applied for this PhD. I don't remember really thinking about the prelims. I was just like, I'm going to get a PhD and I'm going to teach those college kids. Um, And I don't think it really was until the summer before my second year started that I realized, oh, shoot, I got to do prelims coming up. Um, But it still still did not feel nearly as scary as it did Mm -hmm. before. Do you think it's because what you're you're like so passionate about like what you're studying right now 
versus like after your master's, I'm sure you felt a certain amount of passion, but like maybe this is like your thing. Um, maybe I don't, it's hard to say because I had maybe still even have such a weird relationship with what we did for our master's still like still now it's it's still really what word do I want to use like regretful Mm. if that makes sense like it still weighs really heavily on me the choices that were made and how it all turned out and um basically the whole project (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. but I think the difference now compared to then is I I mean I don't think I realized it then but the only reason I was thinking of a PhD after my master's is because I didn't know what else to do Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to do yet Mm -hmm. um and I, I really don't think that that was my reason at the time but like thinking back on it now that was absolutely what was happening I was afraid to do something else but now the PhD is not really like a prestige thing or like an opportunity for this. This probably sounds bad. It's not, it doesn't feel like an opportunity to learn more, even though it is, but it's kind of more of like a means to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I want to do and this is how I get there. And this is, these are, I'm checking the boxes and I'm going and we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It might it might be like a passion thing. And honestly, it might be a little easier because some of this is kind of intuitive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the education stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially because I ran my own classroom for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it would be the same if I had gone into bugs again after this. Or after those two years, rather, like, mm-hmm. if I really doubled down on the whole, I'm going to teach entomology to college students instead of just generally, I'm going to teach college students something. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think after you get some kind of degree, it is often, like, difficult to see where your path is going to be, like, what kind of job you're going to have, things like that. Like, I would have never guessed that I would have the job that I have. <laughs> um, I really don't sex at all um, <laughs> in my current job in, like, healthcare stuff. But I do use a lot of skills that I learned when I was in grad school. Um, like, I've been using all of, like, my research skills. Like, I'm, like, get, I can search for a peer-reviewed article and, like, read that thing and, like, know how to, like, interpret it and be able to be critical of it. Um, And that's super important for my job. And I don't think I would have been able to do that as well if I hadn't read, like, tons of papers in grad school. Yeah. (laughs) That is definitely one skill you walk away from grad school with. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you also, I feel like you walk away with, like, if it's not peer-reviewed, it's, like, worth nothing. (laughs) Yeah, it is trash. I don't want to read anything on a website. (laughs) I'm always like, no, okay, so it says this thing, but, like, where's the peer review? (laughs) It's not even, it's not even linked to the study here. I know, and then I, like, go down a rabbit hole of, like, trying to find, like, a study that backs it up. I'm like, 
this isn't good enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really difficult to kind of see where your place is going to be. Um, especially since like, I think academia is so much like you only see people who are also in academia. Yeah. So it's so hard to like imagine what else there is. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, even being a person currently in academia who generally wants to be in academia again in the end, I still am, I still feel like I'm surrounded by people that are not what I want to be. <laughs> and maybe that's just my department. <laughs> but I uh, definitely want to be a different kind of academic. What what do you what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I think do you remember or we've definitely said this before, if not on the podcast, then to each other. Um, do you remember thinking of grad school as like a big old experiment finding out what you don't want to do? Um, yeah, kind of. I remember thinking about that quite a bit during grad school. Like what don't I wanna what, what don't I want to participate in? What kind of research don't I want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I really just like, I don't know. Yeah. So I think where I am now, a lot of this stuff is what I do want to do. But instead of kind of exploring the things I don't want to do, I am observing what I don't want to be. In other professors and um, other academics in general. I mean, that totally Especially makes sense. Because you, um, you want to, you're like thinking about teaching and like what is effective versus what is definitely not effective. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of people who are in academia that cannot teach. <laughs> yeah. They're like in it for the research. And that's right. it. Well, and, and it, that, it. Sorry. Oh, and then they have to, like, teach a class, so they just have to be there. But yeah. they're not good at it. That's the sad part. And I think a lot about the old, like, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but where the professor gets in front of the class and he's like, look to your left, look to your right. One of those people won't be here in the end or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Um, those, like, very toxic people. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's, there's there's so many professors like that and it is it's just really upsetting Mm -hmm. and I mean maybe this is also kind of where my newfound confidence comes from in that I know that I'm better than those people (laughs) (laughs) sounds really terrible but I'll tell you who's getting the better student evals and I know that it's me Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if I just got cocky throughout this whole thing, but... Well, I think you're also, like, studying how to be a good teacher. And, like, a lot of academics don't get that kind of background. They don't t- get taught how to teach. It's not like they're going to, like, they're, they're getting a master's in education also. No. Well, and a lot of times you don't... I mean, in even in grad school as TAs, we all have to teach a lab, but... Nobody gets taught how to teach the lab. The most you get is a panel full of former TAs and they say, oh, what are your questions? Now's your chance to ask. But that's not saying like, you need to empathize with your students and realize they are having a hard time too, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And you still get TAs that have that mindset where, well, I could do this when I was in their shoes, so they should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and like not to go too far down the like equity rabbit hole, but like everybody is different and they come from different backgrounds. And, um, and like, frankly, a lot of grad students are very privileged. And you come from a place where maybe you aren't working a second job, you just have your like TA and that's it. And you're, you're going through it. And it's fine, because somebody else is paying for you to like, go to school, basically. Um, and a lot of other like, gr- like even undergrads, like don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is apparent to me as a TA, how uninterested, and maybe that's not the right word, but like how un-understanding, unempathetic mm-hmm. other TAs and um, professors have been towards these people or these students. Well, yes, they are people, but um, throughout their, their career, like I have freshmen in my class right now and they're already conditioned in that way. I had a student that was out for two weeks with COVID and they wanted to make up their exam a few days later. And I let them and she acted like I was the nicest professor on the campus. It's like, no, we are in a pandemic. Of course, you can make up the exam. You had the disease. Yeah, like, obviously, you don't want them to come to the physical place and get (laughs) and get everyone sick. Or even like, I don't know, I think it's just like the lack of empathy, like stuff happens to people and it shouldn't matter. Yeah, I think being a TA during this time for me was really important in uh, developing the kind of like teacher I want to be. Not to say that I was mean before, but I think I I have different skills now um, and I wouldn't have got that if we had not gone through this terrible pandemic to find the silver lining at the very least. But I don't know. Anyways, we went on a rabbit hole here. We went we on a talking really about the prelims. Hole. But if we go back to the prelims, do you feel like, and obviously you've never done the prelims without the pandemic, do you feel like it had a big impact? Do you think it didn't really have an impact? Um, obviously, like you took your prelims basically a year after the pandemic. So maybe you were, mm. I don't want to say like used to the pandemic because I don't think anybody's ever going to get used to the pe- pandemic. But like um, you were kind of, everybody's used to being on a Zoom call and things like that. Yeah, I think I think definitely if it had happened earlier in the pandemic, it would have been scarier. Um, Mm -hmm. my internet went out in the middle of my Zoom call oral defense or oral examination. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I had to deal with it. I just had to like switch my internet from the 5G one to the not 5G one, whatever that means. I don't know anything about internet, but, um, and then get back onto the Zoom call and everybody was really nice about it. And I came back on and they were like, oh, we talked while you were away. You have to start over now. (laughs) we're now we're in but that's fine (laughs) and of course they were joking but Mm. I think that if I had not had all of the experience with zoom that I had I would have absolutely panicked Mm -hmm. um but other than that I mean the written portion would have been the same regardless other than I would have been like on campus in a room by myself and instead I could have I was at home and, you know, got to take a break in the middle of the day to walk my dog, which was really nice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of maybe felt less stressful because of then, but of course I didn't get to do it the other way, so I don't know if it would have yeah. been more stressful or not. I don't know if the oral section uh, part of the exam would have been more stressful if I was physically in front of them as opposed to the Zoom call. Um, With the pandemic going on, it would have been weirder because everyone would have been wearing masks and you couldn't like really read their faces very well. Um, But if it were not pandemic and I was standing in front of them, I don't know. I don't know if I I would have been more stressed out. It feels kind of scarier in a way to use technology because... You know, you can get kicked off and mm-hmm. <laughs> what if my internet hadn't come back, you know? That would have been <laughs> crazy. But I don't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it's fine to say I don't know because you've never yeah. taken one, like done one in non-pandemic times. Yeah, but regardless, I'm, I'm grateful for how I had my exams i i'm glad i got to walk my dog in the middle of the day for my writtens and i'm glad that everybody was familiar with zoom and zoom quitting and kicking you out and you know it it didn't only happen to me it also happened to one of my committee members so it was it was really relaxed i think that's good yeah well it sounds breezy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't I don't know if it's just because that's me or what, but yeah, I it was not anything I expected it to be. How did you feel like, which you might have felt fine, but did you feel like your mental health was like pretty good throughout the whole thing? Did you have any moments where you felt like it wasn't that great? And how did you deal with those moments? Yeah, uh, mental health is always difficult mm-hmm. for me. Um at, at the beginning, when I had first started preparing, it was definitely worse. I was much more nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but come like February, which was only like two months into or a month and a half into preparing mm-hmm. after when I, once we hit February, I was just like, OK, I'm ready. Just give them to me. I'm ready to be done, like mm-hmm. ready to go. And so much so that I felt comfortable taking a weekend off for my birthday and I just watched TV and did nothing all day um for three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I don't I don't think I could have done it if it had been like earlier in the preparation stage. Um and there were certainly days when I was like, oh my God, I have to get through 96 more papers and there's only 45 more days left and mm-hmm. um all that stuff, but towards the end, when I thought I would have been the worst, like two weeks, one week out, when I thought I would have been the most stressed out, I was just like, all right, well, if I get to these papers, I get to them. Here's my priority ones. It's just what it's going to be. It's just going to be what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that attitude came from, <laughs> but <laughs> it was really great. And I'm glad that it was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes I've noticed like if you sometimes you sit in anxiety for so long that it eventually like your brain it gets so tiring to sit in that state that you're like I don't care what happens like I could get 
I don't know. I don't want to say something like terrible, but like literally like anything could happen and I would be fine. Like, yeah. Well, and yeah, that's kind of what it became. It was just like, even if I fail, I have one more chance. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't ready this time, I'll, I can be ready next time. Mm-hmm. And it also helps that I only ever knew one other person to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were certain circumstances with that that I didn't have to worry about, um, mm-hmm. thankfully. But yeah, I think, oh, I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe um, I just had too much static electricity in my house and it finally like flipped a switch in my brain and said like, <laughs> hey, you're really confident now. Just go with it, girl. I don't know. Because <laughs> I do have a lot of static electricity. <laughs> You just gotta like wear really fuzzy socks and walk across the carpet. Well, I mean, even like if I, it's it's so dry in my house. Even if I like stand up from my bed, I have to hit the like metal bar uh, on my bed on the bottom of it, or else when I touch the light switch or my phone or whatever, there's like a shock and you can see it. Oh man, it's really bad. <laughs> so I mean, it could have been it. Just there we go. A little. Neurotransmitter up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Created a new pathway, um, the confidence pathway. Yeah, I think that's how it works. You know, I did take a neuroscience class once. But yeah, so hopefully anyone and everyone out there preparing or thinking about their prelims in the future will just have as easy of a time as I did. Yeah. I mean, I think like you shouldn't give yourself like no credit. I think you did sure. a ton of preparation and... I think where a lot of like the fear comes from is like not being prepared. Um, And so like taking that time to just like really schedule it out, see what it's going to look like. Oh, I only have to read three papers a day, like, or I can take a weekend off here and there that like could make you feel so much better. Yeah. And that's what I did too. I mean, I had a certain amount of papers that I wanted to get through and I did add some here and there and take away some here and there, Mm -hmm. but I constantly knew exactly how many papers I needed to read each day to to finish it out. Um, <laughs> but that's just because I'm a little bit obsessively organized. <laughs> um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, I knew I knew I was prepared. I I knew I did absolutely everything I could have done to be prepared, and I didn't have any regrets and. Really, it hit me when I was waiting outside the Zoom room for for my committee to deliberate and decide if they were going to pass me or not. I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to pass. And it was a really weird feeling for me. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was the scariest part of my PhD. And it's done now and everything else I've done before. I've done the proposal defense. I've done the, the thesis defense. What's the difference? Yeah, now that, like, I think about, um, like, prelims, they definitely seem like the most difficult part because your yeah. your thesis defense is really just, like, what you've been doing for four mm-hmm. years, whereas, like, yeah. the prelims are, like, these are potentially all new papers to you. You have to kind of rely on, like, it's basically, like, studying for a big test. Yeah. Um, whereas the other thing, like, you're probably so sick of your work at by the time you're at your thesis you know it like front to back and right well and also I knew 
most of my committee members pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very carefully selected <laughs> who was going to be on my committee um, because I know how I work. I know who I will potentially work well with. And I knew at that point what kind of topics I wanted to cover to be the most helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I really doubled down on the whole like this degree is mine and I'm gonna make it exactly what I needed to be, and that's what I did. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, it's real weird. It feels very, 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 very different from our masters. Mm-hmm. I think you're just like older (laughs) well yeah that too you just like know what you want more so it's like very easy to say this is what I want like you were saying earlier like this is what I want this is how I have to get it whereas like with the masters like you were like I don't really know what I want to do after that Mm -hmm. um but it's so much more helpful when you're when you're able to know and then you're like I'm gonna use you people to get me there I know it sounds like so bad, but that's what it is. That's what that's what's happening. Maybe other people don't feel this way. Maybe I'm just a terrible person. Um, I don't think so. But <laughs> dear listeners, if any of you are PhDs and you feel the same, let me know. Just kind of like validate me, would you? <laughs> mm-hmm. I I think like looking at it that way also, Carrie, like just makes it so much less scary mm-hmm. when you're like, this is mine. Like, yeah. It is. This is mine. I'm putting the work in for it. Because it's really none of those other people's stuff. Like, they care, but they don't like, it's not theirs. But this is your thing. And you got to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I definitely don't think I could have done that. I guess it's four years ago now when we finished our master's. I definitely don't think I could have done that. Um, So this is also not only an informational session about prelims, but... A PSA for those gap years. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything else to say. That was yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think I think we ended at a good point. So yeah, I think this is a good ending yeah. point. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. More is on the way. You know, there's there's a whole book club that we never did that we plan to do. Maybe <laughs> we'll get to it. There's some requests about bugs on the iTunes nope it's not iTunes anymore the Apple Music review thingies hoverflies some death beetle I don't know feigning death beetle yes that so maybe those are coming up maybe an octopus episode you know we are full of surprises yeah (laughs) but we are back baby Mm -hmm. definitely all right So, lovely listeners, as always, we'll see you. We promise. (laughs) Love you. Goodbye.